Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Shelley. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're two moms on different sides of the political aisle, discussing politics, current events, and social issues. We started this podcast because we want to encourage conversations on tough issues and show that you can have a respectful, productive dialogue even when you disagree. It's hard to believe, but you can actually still be friends with someone with whom you have very different political opinions. Please know that Shelley and I aren't experts on the various topics that we discuss, although we do our best to be informed and accurate. We also share our reference material on our website at redmombluemom.com. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. This is Shelley. If you've been listening to Red Mom, Blue Mom, you know that I'm the blue mom, the lefty, the liberal. However, I am highly conservative, for a liberal that is, on taxes. Everyone knows that April is tax month. Now we're wrapping up the first tax season under Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which had been called the most sweeping tax code change in 30 years. It's effective for the first time on your 2018 tax returns. And in this episode, we're asking, who are the winners and losers of this new tax law? I have always thought that Americans pay way too much in taxes, uh, especially for what we get, and that we're too complacent about it. With what Americans pay in taxes, I keep waiting for some sort of tax revolution. Democrats, though, have made themselves out to be the spending and taxing party, which honestly makes no sense to me. And if we're going to collect the darn taxes, I guess I agree more with the left on what to spend the money on. We'll We'll talk about tax policy today. You'll see where Caitlin and I differ. Republicans have always said that they're the party of cutting taxes, but in my lifetime, I don't remember a real tax cut occurring that the middle class could even notice. This current tax law, like others in our lifetime, has resulted in a tax cut of a few dollars here and there for most of us, many, many dollars for the ultra-wealthy, and it's said to have added $1.9 trillion to our deficit. We have to borrow from foreign countries to pay for this tax cut, thereby increasing our trade deficit. In our lifetimes, Republicans have started wars that have resulted in massive deficit spending and spend an overwhelming portion of the federal budget on defense spending. I can't understand why the Republicans, at least, don't rise up and demand real tax cuts, even perhaps support some purportedly far-out proposals like a 10-15% flat tax. Is it that the Republicans are not honest about tax cuts, that they don't actually want them and won't propose or pass them because they really want to collect the same money and spend it on things like defense? So, Caitlin, that's my introductory question for you today. Is this new tax law a real tax cut or a tax scam? So, Shelley, I honestly don't know. I mean, I know that the concept of tax cuts and tax cuts for the middle class in particular has always been kind of a key component of the Republican message. But whether or not they're serious about it, I don't really know. I think we have seen time and time again that both Democrats and Republicans love to spend taxpayer money. I think you and I would definitely disagree, as you just alluded to, on what the right things are to spend that money on. But I don't think anyone would disagree that it's pretty clear that government is not good stewards of taxpayer dollars. So I would like to think that Republicans are serious about tax cuts. But I think that you're right in the sense that the Trump uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has not made 
uh, a meaningful difference, especially for the working class families where they haven't seen a, a significant increase on their paychecks. Um, I know that it was called the most sweeping update to the U.S. tax code in more than 30 years. It talked about how the benefits of this um, Jobs Act was going to be, you know, simplifying tax paying for most Americans, lowering taxes on individuals and businesses, uh, reducing the corporate tax rate all in theory really good stuff but at the end of the day are people really seeing it on their paychecks i'm not sure so i don't know if it's a tax scam necessarily but i don't know that republicans on average i think there are probably some exceptions but i think on average many republicans are as uh, glad to spend taxpayer dollars as the democrats one of the reasons it seems to me to be a scam, uh, as you alluded to, the middle class uh, hardly noticed the uh, the tax cut. There was um, people were apparently receiving more in their paychecks because a change of a change in withholding, and then ended up having to write checks as opposed to uh, receive tax refunds. So the effect that it's had on middle class families is hard to even see. Um, but in terms of the uh, this idea that it was supposed to uh, help businesses and thereby help the middle class, one of the uh, parts of it that it seemed to me to be disturbing is this 20% deduction that was added for pass-through businesses. So pass-through businesses are like partnerships, LLC partnerships. And um, for those with higher incomes, the deduction was only uh, available to owners of certain kinds of businesses not available to those in the fields of health, law, accounting, actuarial sciences, performing arts, consulting, athletics, uh, financial services. And it specifically denies the deduction for businesses, quote, where the principal asset is reputation or skill. In other words, it's available to real estate professionals like Donald Trump and uh, is, is not available to skilled professionals. So that fails the simplification test, first of all. It also fails the fairness test. I mean, why would you pick winners and losers in the tax code? Uh, there's an article cited on redmombluemom.com from Forbes dated December 27, 2018, about this pass-through deduction change. It's entitled, Pass-Through Deduction Will Fuel Wealth Inequality. And it talks about how the law, the law was actually designed for those who own things rather than those who work. That's why it excludes professions with skills, um, with skills and favors, for example, real estate holding companies. That strikes me as un-American. Uh, the 20% tax cut is uh, tax deduction is far more lucrative if you're in a higher tax bracket. And it is said that it effectively cuts the top rate from 37% to below 30% in one swoop. Um, the Joint Committee on Taxation found almost half the benefit flows to those making $1 million and up. Um, so how could this 20% uh, pass-through deduction be fair? I can't speak to the specifics of that, that tax provision individually, um, certainly as a conservative, I think generally reducing taxes for everybody, I don't care if you make a million dollars a year or if you make $60,000 a year, I think everybody should be pay paying fewer taxes because again, I think government has proven itself over and over again to be extremely wasteful. 
with taxpayer dollars. So I don't know if your hypothesis is that that pass through was created to benefit people like President Trump and his, uh, you know, his cronies in the real estate business. I'm not sure if that's the hypothesis that Forbes is positing or not. Um, so I can't speak to the specifics of whether or not that's fair. Perhaps there's some nuance around people that actually own physical properties and, and some of the additional taxes that they tend to pay around property taxes and things that are maybe intending to be offset by that pass-through deduction. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite understand, I'll admit, the nuances of that, but overall my position is taxes should be less. So this idea of the Trump tax bill helping to reduce taxes, be it for individuals or businesses or corporations, in theory, I really like that idea, but whether or not, um, again, middle class working families uh, are seeing an actual positive impact to their paychecks, I think is very debatable. And ultimately, I think that's what the goal of those initiatives should be, is to be returning more money in the pockets of um, of Americans. Yeah, I think we probably agree on that then, Caitlin. Uh, the tax cuts should be for everyone. And this one seems to specifically be for the wealthiest, similarly uh, eliminating the um, alternative minimum tax, the so-called AMT. Uh, the way it was done in this law uh, shields almost all upper and middle, uh, I'm sorry, upper middle and high income taxpayers from the AMT. And so this 20% um, pass-through deduction, the eliminating the AMT for just the wealthiest people, uh, it's all, um, in my view, a scam because it really only, only benefits the most wealthy. And the, we as the middle class, again, hardly saw any difference in this, in this, in this tax cut. So, and yet it's a very expensive, um, expensive law. President Trump also represented that it would repatriate dollars back into the U.S. hasn't done that, um, and uh, uh, yet our 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 deficit um, goes under this law from 666 billion to 898 billion, or a jump of 35 percent. So that's where I, you know, I have trouble. I find Republicans to be all talk and no walk because if they were really fiscal conservatives, um, uh, I would understand. Uh, the support uh, if they really wanted to lower taxes for Americans, um, not just for the ultra rich like this tax law does, um, then uh, I would understand the, the, the support. Yeah, but I, I think there are multiple elements to it that I would criticize Republicans for. I think there's the element of, yes, let's actually create tax cuts that are meaningful beyond just the quote-unquote wealthy. And I know some people define the wealthy tier of Americans differently from others, so we could probably debate what you define wealthy may be different from me. But regardless, the other element of it that ties into deficit spending then is the the spending that the government does. And so, you know, I think in my view, there are two elements that I wish Republicans were doing a better job of in general. Again, I think there are some Republican leaders that are doing an okay job with this, but not only reducing the tax burden on Americans, 
but then also reducing spending. You you can't you can't reduce the tax uh, the tax revenue coming from taxes paid by Americans and yet still have these crazy uh, spending programs, be it defense or anything else. Um, that balance doesn't work either. So in my mind, my criticism for Republicans is it needs to be both. There need to be meaningful tax cuts, but there also needs to be meaningful long-term reductions in spending. Um, Trump's recently announced budget, um, which is the largest in, in federal history, uh, does have, a, for example, a massive cut to the EPA of 31% of the EPA's budget. I disagree with that. You know, as we've discussed, Kaylin, I think we, you know, we live on this earth and I'm upset that Republicans want to permit it to be destroyed. Um, it also includes massive cuts in Medicare and Social Security. I don't think those are the right things to cut because elderly people um, should not be forced to continue working or to be poor with no health care. Um, it includes an increase of 5% in the defense spending budget, which to me is just absurd. I mean, a lot of the defense spending goes to CEOs and executives of, you know, companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics, um, we spend, of our tax dollars, $300 billion in those defense contracts. Um, and in just those five companies, the CEOs earn uh, over $100 million a year. That's all subsidized by our tax dollars. So in my view, this massive dispen- uh, defense spending is not about making our country safe, which I am for, um, because if it was, we'd keep that money in the military. But instead, it's about spending the money on these special interests, which are the largest, some of the largest special interests in our country. And it, and what it results in is siphoning off the hard-earned money of taxpayers for corporate profits. And a side story, Caitlin, I had a client once who was a senior engineer manager at one of those major defense defense contractors here in Colorado. He told me, and this was during the Obama administration, that it was the first time ever in his 20 or 30 year tenure with the company that they had any limits at all on how much they could spend on a given project. So he said the limits were very high, but under Obama was the first time they had any limits at all, like having a budget for a project. Can you imagine any other area um, in the private economy where you have no limits on what you're doing? It's just a recipe for unnecessary spending, and that doesn't make us safer. It just makes those companies more profitable. Uh, All in all, I think the 2018 defense budget will top out at something like $886 billion dollars. Um, that includes things like Homeland Security, Veterans Affairs, um, and that's more than double what it was in 2003 when we went to war with Iraq. I remember watching G.W. Bush start that war, um, which in my view has done nothing to protect Americans, and I was shocked at the complete disregard for that massive increase in deficit spending caused by that war and our military's continuing presence in the Middle East. I, I support our soldiers, um, but when it comes to defense spending, uh, you know, I, I support our soldiers coming home where they're safe and and uh, won't die for no good reason. I support them getting proper medical care. I support maintaining a very strong military to use only when we need to, um, but not to sort of create conflict and inflate the pockets of these um, private defense contractor executives. Um, which so I, I'm very disturbed to see Trump's new budget suggesting an increase of 34 billion dollars to the military. 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think if the government and my tax dollars are going to be spent on anything, I think um, spending it on the defense of our country and spending it on veteran uh, care for our veterans, rather, um, those are two things I would prioritize. Although, of course, I agree with you. I don't like this idea of defense contractors and those executives um, becoming rich on the largesse of the U.S. defense budget. So, again, I think that's just a great example of wasteful spending. You and I obviously disagree on um, the role of and how big some of these other government bureaucracies, agencies like the EPA, A, is that the role of the federal government, and B, how much money should we be spending in those organizations? Um, so, you know, that may be a discussion for a different time. But what about, would you agree, Caitlin, um, that we should spend money on college tuition for you know, all Americans. Nope. If you if you remember, uh, Bernie Sanders had this plan. Uh, at the time, it was estimated to cost for forty seven billion dollars a year to uh, educate, allow tuition to all Americans. He proposed Wall Street taxes to pay for it. But what if you just reduced that eight hundred eighty six billion dollar defense budget by five percent? So if you just cut it by 5%, we could all be educated. Um, and America, in my view, should be the most educated country in the world. Uh, unfortunately, it's far from it. So you know, if we agree that um, maybe the defense budget, can we agree that the defense budget could be uh, cut by 5% and that that could go to uh, tuition instead? I don't know about cutting the defense budget. I don't know enough about the intricacies of what that budget consists of, but I think this idea of taxpayers paying for college education for all Americans is not a good idea. I don't think that's the role of government. I don't think that that's something that I should do. I agree that I want the U.S. to be a, a highly educated country, but I don't think that's that's the role of a taxpayer to pay for college education. First of all, I don't think every person needs to go to college. I don't think a four-year college degree is a requirement. Um, I think the way that colleges have kind of uh, grown from a tuition perspective and you have student loan issues and debt repayment and kids that are coming out of four-year degrees with a, a mountain of debt and not really any useful real-world skills and they're unable to get you know good paying jobs um, I think we're a little bit upside down in that world right now so the idea of spending taxpayer dollars on quote-unquote free education free college for all Americans uh, I think is not the right thing to do. If we're going to trim spending from defense or any other um, government entity or agency, I would much rather just give that money back to the taxpayer. Well, we agree that uh, we're all being taxed too much. Um, I'm just saying that if if we're taxing what we are taxing, you know, why not spend you know five percent of the defense budget instead of increasing it as Trump has proposed, and use it uh, to educate Americans. So I think our our priorities are are wrong in that regard. I think um, college education would be really important. Shelley, you've mentioned this idea of the Trump tax bill being called a tax scam, and I've seen that as well in some of the news. Um, and in fact, I think there have been some on the left that have really called it a disaster for the middle class. And Kamala Harris came out on Twitter uh, in February. Her tweet that I'm about to read was February 11th, 2019. And she said the average tax refund is down about $170 compared to last year. Let's call the president's tax cut what it is, a middle class tax hike to line the pockets of already wealthy corporations and the 1%. 
And I think our friend Kamala is kind of conflating some different issues. So I think there's probably some legitimate discussion around how effective the tax cuts were in actually positively impacting the middle class versus the 1%, as she quotes in her in her tweet. But this idea of tax refunds being down as a measure of what she's considering a failure of the Tax and Jobs Act from Trump to me is not a fair assessment, right? The reason why tax refunds are down is because people have seen more money in their paychecks. And so they're getting a a lower chunk at the end of the year. But I, I think some on the left, and certainly Kamala Harris has been vocal about this, I think they're trying to paint that this idea of a reduced tax refund is somehow a sign of failure of the of the of the tax act. Um, that's not exactly how it works. And so I just wanted to make sure that that was clear um, with our listeners in particular, because I know a lot of folks depend on that tax refund. Um, there have been some on the right that have been kind of promoting that as a benefit, the fact that the refund is left, uh, excuse me, the fact that the refund is less, the Republican talking point is, hey, you've gotten to control your money, not the IRS, right? The IRS hasn't been holding on to it for a year, and now they're graciously giving it back. Those on the left, I think, are trying to spin it a little bit differently. So I thought that was an interesting uh, approach from Kamala Harris to to present that reduced tax refund as a, as a negative thing. I think we agree on, on this, Caitlin, um, but... Uh, and it, what we agree on is that the tax refunds were less or people were paying into the system this year, had to write checks for some people for the first time ever. Um, and that's just because of a withholding change that happened as part of this law. Uh, I do think that that should have been better handled and uh, explained to the public up front um, because people were, as you point out, surprised by a lack of a refund and actually having to pay in at the, at the end of the year. Um, but the the problem with the tax cut as it affects those people is that these middle class sort of paycheck bumps that we experienced this year, um, this past year, they fade each year under this law and they sunset by 2026. Whereas the corporate tax cuts and the tax cuts that um, that I was speaking of that really benefit the ultra wealthy do not. And so that's, in my view, what makes this a tax scam is that it's not a real tax cut for the middle class. It is uh, it's a very costly uh, tax cut for the ultra-rich. Do you know how that wealthy is defined, the ultra-rich, as you're calling them? What is the... Uh, the Joint Committee on Taxation found that almost half of the benefit of that 20% um, pass-through dedu- deduction falls to those earning $1 million and up. And again, it's those earning $1 million and up who have are not skilled. Uh, professionals. So I think it's especially egregious. Uh, Similarly, the AMT uh, elimination uh, is set up to affect um, the very very wealthiest. So we're talking um, households with more, greater than a million dollars in income. Yeah, and again, that is less concerning to me only from the viewpoint of small business owners, right, that may record their small business earnings as part of their 
individual income taxes. So this idea of quote unquote households or um, individuals making a million dollars or more, I think it's important to remember that often that number includes quite a few small business owners that are reporting their small business income and taxes on an individual tax return. So I think sometimes there's a there's a conflation uh, with small business owners into the you know, ultra wealthy, right? Where you think about folks like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, you've got a lot of small business owners that certainly aren't at that income level. But I think sometimes they get lumped into that to that definition of being wealthy when when often it's a bit of it's a bit of a different scenario. Right. But again, uh, this favored only small businesses that um, are not based on skilled, uh, skilled workers, skilled professions. And the the benefit, uh, according to the data, um, looks like it went, you know, only maybe 6% of the benefit ends up going to the workers of these companies with 56% going to the shareholders. So um, it's not it's not a real benefit to small businesses in terms of skilled professionals or the workers of small businesses. Yeah, and that's okay to me. It's the it's the shareholders that are often making the investment in that company. So I, I don't I don't I'm not bothered by the fact that shareholders are receiving more of the return uh, than a worker. I mean that that to me is just the nature nature of business. All right, so Shelly, as we wrap up on taxes, you and I agree that cutting spending um, and acting fiscally conservative is appropriate, and we definitely both agree that Americans are paying way too much in taxes. Uh, I understand that you think that Trump's Tax Cut and Jobs Act bill is a scam because ultimately it's only a tax cut for the ultra-rich. Uh, as it as it relates to spending, we disagree on how the government should spend our money, but we definitely agree that the government is generally not a good steward of taxpayer dollars. Um, personally, I may be more in favor of spending in the areas of things like military or veterans, and I know that you favor education uh, and environmental protection as examples. I think that's accurate, Caitlin. Thanks for listening, and uh, please give us your comments by emailing us at redmombluemompodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.